Once there was a story, and it was told by so many people over so many years that it became a dream, a shared dream for the community, for the culture, and now for many cultures. This story dream has all the layers of meaning and sparks for healing that any dream would have, and I want you to hear it and see what it sparks in you. In this episode, I'll tell you this brief little story And then I'll dive deep into your dreams and your genius, your inherent gifts and preferences and style that call you toward your most fulfilling life and toward your role in global healing at this time we're all in together right now. You might want to grab your dream journal or wherever you might want to write because I'll be asking you some questions and giving you lots of ideas to reflect on. Feel free to pause me if you hear something that strikes a chord. And I won't have you wait long to get started. Just a very quick note. Next Friday, October 23rd, I'll be hosting a free class about how to recognize the health messages in your dreams. And it will be the kickoff for enrollment in my online course coming up in November called Dreams for Healers, Insights for You and Everyone You Help and the kickoff for new members to join the Dreamers Den monthly membership and become a part of our community walking this ongoing dream work path together. Come to thedreamersden.org slash free class to sign up for the free class about health messages or to see the recording and get more info on everything happening in the coming weeks. Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. All right, the story. This folktale, aka cultural dream, was inspired by a parable told by the Quechua people of present-day Ecuador. If you've heard it before, it may be because it was told widely by the Kenyan activist and Nobel Peace Prize winner Wangari Mathai. Once, a forest was on fire. A raging fire consuming everything, spreading fast and growing with the wind. Animals fled. From a distance, the bear The wolf, the elephant, the rabbit, the owl, all watched their home burning. What can we do, they thought. It's too hot to go any closer, said the rabbit. The smoke is too much, said the wolf. We are too small to make any difference, said the owl. Only a little hummingbird would not abandon the forest. She flew to a stream, picked up a single drop of water in her beak, and flew back to drop it on the fire. Again and again, her little wings humming, never holding still, she picked up drop by drop and took each drop of water to the flames. 
Why are you doing this? The other animals asked. What difference do you think that will make? And the hummingbird, still not stopping, said, I'm doing my part. I'm going to pause for a second for you to notice your response to this story. It might be positive, negative, strong, indifferent. Simply notice what chords this story strikes in you or what it brings up for you. That way it can begin what Michael Mead calls its mythological acupuncture on you, sticking you right where you need some treatment. I've also heard this story end with the hummingbird saying, I'm doing my best, or I'm doing what I can. Each of those has a little bit of a different feel. I personally love hearing it as, I'm doing my part, because that phrase implies that each of us does have a part to play. When I told my six-year-old this story, she asked, and then what happened? I told her, the story doesn't tell us what happened next. What do you think? I personally like to think that some of the other animals were impacted by what the hummingbird said and moved to do their own part, so that one piece of the hummingbird's part in all of this was to inspire and motivate, to shake them out of their objections and their inertia, just standing there watching. Maybe the next thing that happens is the elephant takes a whole trunk full of water and lumbers his way back towards the fire or wets down a boundary line to keep the fire from spreading. What do you think happens next? So if this story were my dream, it would be reminding me that even if the material results of my actions are small, that's not the only measure of my impact. And it reminds me that everyone has a part to play and theirs might be very different from my own. In fact, I hope it's very different. I hope there are people playing thousands, millions, billions of different parts. So I'm wondering if you know what your part is. If you pressed play on this episode, I'm thinking you have a sense that you have a role to play in global healing or you'd like to play some role in it. So do you have any idea right now of what that would be? Do you ever feel overwhelmed by all the things that need to be done to get course correction happening for humanity or by how tiny you are and how little water you can carry in your beak? I think most of us feel that way in some form at some point. Most of us are, at one point or another, feeling all the major feelings around climate crisis and social and political and economic and health crises. The big five feelings, fear, anger, anxiety, worry, and grief. I have heard so many more patients in the clinic say that they're going through panic or hopelessness in the last few years than I ever heard say that in the few years before that. But I absolutely believe that you have a unique way to be here and a unique, important role to play. So today, first I want to talk about this idea of the genius, this idea that you have gifts within you that serve the world in a way unique to you and that make your life feel meaningful and fulfilling. This is the way Michael Mead has been teaching the use of this word genius and if you haven't read or listened to him teach on it, definitely look him up. I will include some links in the show notes. And then I'll share with you how I view dreams and why this has anything at all to do with your genius. 
And third, we'll talk about how the symbolism of classical Chinese medicine shows up in our dreams, focusing on the five elements, water, wood, fire, earth, and metal, and how that reveals to us what's going on inside us that's ready for expression, and also can reveal what outside of us is calling for our attention. So this is a way you haven't heard me talk about the five elements before. I mostly have shared how I use them on the level of individual health and healing, but they are reflecting the dynamics in our greater world too and reflecting where we can best step in. Now, obviously, this isn't a science. This isn't about taking what Dreamworker Tokopa Turner calls an acquisitional approach to Dreamwork. We're not turning to our dreams like we're mining them for gems and going to come out with an action plan. Really, this is about meaning making. It's about connection with what's unseen, especially what's unseen with our waking consciousness. So what is seen through our dreaming consciousness? This is about relating to the creative impulses coming through us when we sleep, ways to find the aha moments and the clarity and the satisfaction, the fulfillment of being connected in to what matters most to us. Okay, so let's start with the idea of the genius. I want to offer you this idea to try on. You and I and every person you have ever known and every person you will never meet has something that makes us each unique. Have you ever met two people who are exactly completely the same? I'm going to assume no. And isn't that amazing if you take a moment for it? The massive scale on which human life exists and keeps on growing and still no duplicates? A certain uniqueness to each and every manifestation on earth is a part of the nature of our world. So what if, as a part of this uniqueness, we each have a calling or a gift, or we can call it a spirit of genius within us. And that's not meaning high IQ or stunning talent, but meaning our unique gifts and potentials, our own style and our purpose, our sense of meaning. So I want to invite you right here to think back on your own dreams and whether you've had any images lately of pregnancy or babies in your dreams or of dying or death. When I dream of pregnancy or babies, I think about potential, new ideas, new projects, new aspects of myself coming into being. And one layer of meaning in dying and death in dreams is aspects of myself that are done, that are dying, that I'm leaving behind. So if I ask myself about any birth and death images that have come up, there might be a clue right there about what I've been doing that it's time to let go of, or maybe how I've been identifying that I no longer want to identify, and about what's coming into being right now that I do want to nurture. I'll give you an example. This one's not from my dreams. This is someone else's dream that was shared with me recently, and we work together. So in the dream, she's handed an ent baby, an ent, like from Lord of the Rings. This little ent has its eyes closed like a newborn cat, she said, and she's taking it in her arms and finds it kind of rough and cold, and she's not sure how to take care of it. But it's obvious in the dream that she's expected to. She's expected to take care of this, this thing. What would you think if that were your dream? I'll give you a second just to 
get your own feel for it. For this dreamer, at first the dream had kind of disgusted her and made her think about how much she really doesn't want to have babies of her own. This feeling that they don't really fit in her arms. Um, but then she also had a strong aha moment about stewarding her garden and the trees around her home like an ant would and about going back to stories that she loved as a kid like lord of the rings was one of her favorite stories so we talked about how ants are the shepherds of trees and this baby is a new ant a new tree caregiver in the making eyes still closed not quite conscious yet and it feels awkward to her not familiar like a human baby or even a warm little mammal baby like that newborn cat she compared it to, but she has a sense of responsibility for it. And when we worked this dream, she started to feel like she's a baby ent in some ways, and it's time to open her ent eyes, her ent way of seeing the plants and trees in her world. So one way you might want to explore this question of your genius and the energy that's coming through your dreams is to flip back through your dream journal for babies and pregnancy or death and endings. And I would really encourage you to flip back through and look for it because I can't count the number of times that even just I personally have sort of glazed over something like that. And then only when I actively went back to look, has there been any death in my dreams lately? All of a sudden I find examples of that. There's something mysterious about the way our dreams do come to offer new things to our attention, but they also are things that we're not aware of yet and maybe not quite feeling ready to be aware of so we can forget them and overlook them. And diving back in reveals things that we overlooked. While you're at it, you might look for any helpers in your dreams, places where you, the dream self, have helped someone or someone else has come to help you or help another character. That's something I like to look at in terms of our creativity as well. But those characters, what qualities they have that show up in a dream with help and support. And since we're thinking today about how we can help in the world, I think those characters are really worth diving into. I would just love it if you want to come share a dream with a helper or babies in pregnancy or death and dying in the Dreamer's Den Facebook group so we could explore some nuances around that and what it might be bringing for you. I want to read you one of my favorite quotes from Michael Mead about the genius. He says, given the size, scope, and complexity of the problems that currently threaten the world, there can be no single idea, specific political movement, or patented belief system that can save us. Rather, all kinds of ingenious solutions are needed. All types of inspiration, invention, and originality are now required. To me, this is absolutely brilliant. We don't need the hero's journey as a guiding story framework right now. We don't need to be thinking somebody's going to save us or that if we aspire to be that hero, we alone are going to come up with a solution and wave a flag and lead the way. We need the people who have brilliance with ecology, with design, with words, with music, with technology, diplomacy, strategy, comedy, with peacemaking and storytelling and teaching children and interpreting data and building homes and compassion. I've heard Michael mention compassion many times when talking about the genius, how there are people with a genius for compassion. 
and don't we need more of that? I want to read you one more quote about this idea. Sharon Blackie, a storyteller and mythologist like Michael Mead, but of course with her own genius style, wrote recently that this idea of the genius within means that each of us has our own way to keep the fire at the heart of the world alive because none of us can be everything. We can only be, and fully, who we were supposed to be in this world at this time. I love that dreamlike mythological image of the fire at the heart of the world. And this idea that we can only be and we must fully be who we were supposed to be both takes some pressure off. We're not supposed to be everything and solve all the problems in all the ways, but it also gives this firm, focused drive of we must be fully ourselves. I also want to take a second to recognize that not all of us right now are thinking, what's my genius? How can I contribute to the world? Many of us are thinking, how can I make sure I pay my rent this month or pay last month's rent? How can I get my kid through this really bad cold or help my mom move or deal with my insomnia so I can rest and even function all day? I get that we have to feel well enough in our own bodies and lives that we can expand with generosity toward our family and communities and the whole world. And I have definitely had times in my life where that's not where I was at. So if you're listening at a time and place where your energy is more devoted to getting through whatever you're going through, I invite you to let what I'm saying support you in any way that it fits for you and let you know that it is not my intention to nurture any feelings that you should be doing something more or different. Okay, so I'm curious who among you listening feels like you know what your genius is. Not that you're somehow extra, especially talented or achieving greatness, but that you're living according to your true nature and that this is both satisfying to you and serving others in the web of life in some way. For everyone listening who doesn't feel totally connected to their genius or doesn't feel totally clear about how to devote their unique nature to healing and course correction on the planet right now, I want to offer my ideas about how our dreams can help us do this. So if you're on board with me that you and everyone you've ever met and never met, just like the hummingbird in the story, is unique and has something to give the world, and in doing so will find more meaning and fulfillment, and you're open to how your dreams are nudging you every night toward expressing this, let's move into how I engage with dreams for insights on what's really going on here. First of all, One of the things I hold fundamentally true about dreams is this, as Jeremy Taylor put it, all dreams come in the service of health and wholeness. Every dream, every kind of dream. I also believe that our dreams come not only for our personal health and wholeness, this kind of illusionary type of health that is confined inside the boundaries of my skin, but our collective health and wholeness. To quote Tokopa Turner again, The images that are generated in our dreams are not regurgitated flotsam, but structured clues to our fate. Not only does each of us have a vocation, but every individual's fits holographically into the body of the collective, which is unfolding its own sleepy myth. 
This is why we need your dreaming. That's a very Chinese medicine philosophy type image, the holographic nature of the individual dream. That we are dreaming our own dreams that seem private and individual, but they are holographic for everything that's happening as we expand out that scale, you know, out to the community and out to the world. So I see dreaming as one of our natural functions, like breathing, like blood circulation, dreams come naturally to us. And since dreaming is one of our natural functions, we can see this. We are inherently creative and instinctively communicate with ourselves in a symbolic language. I will add here that yes, some people believe that they don't dream, but history and research would suggest the truth is that they don't remember their dreams. Uh, If there's anyone actually listening to my podcast about dreaming who feels that they don't dream, I offer you this. Dreaming is not always an epic visual story. Sometimes it's a feeling or a brief image. And sleep studies show that we all dream every night and we all forget most of our dreams. I will link in the show notes to another episode I did about remembering dreams. In terms of our genius, dreams can prompt us very directly to write or to paint or to take a stand, to have a hard conversation or to build something. They can give us messages of encouragement that we're walking in the right direction like the imagery of water springing up at her feet that Teresa Vasquez shared in episode 9, potent images about where to focus our attention, like Geraldine Mattis's dream from decades ago of the eggs deep in the desert earth uh, that she shared in episode 11. Our dreams can display back to us our fear and confusion as we gather up the courage to move forward in the direction that we really want to go with scenes that take place at night or scenes that we don't understand. And I also take that as encouraging imagery because it means we're moving into the new and the unknown outside the comfort zone. And that is where the growth happens, where the change happens. So maybe you'll get really clear aha moments from your dream work. You'll know you're called to write this book or move to this town or teach this skill. But very often it's not that clear. So another angle, which I find especially productive and I want to really explore deeply with you today, is looking to our dreams for where the energy is, where the attention is, and where the intention is. This is the same way I turn to dreams for health insights for the individual. Chinese medicine teaches us that when illness persists, there's something out of balance. Flow is blocked. There aren't enough resources to draw on. Or something's in there that shouldn't be. And Chinese medicine also teaches us that the place where the problem is most obvious is not necessarily the place where we need to intervene. Let's take this analogy, which the acupuncturist listening probably heard in school, and let's think about this in the context of thinking about what would benefit the collective. In a family, the person making the most noise isn't necessarily the person who needs the most help. Let's say there's a cranky child with wild extremes of emotion and clearly crying out for help, and we recognize that they're undernourished. 
not getting the nutrition they need for basic mental emotional stability. But maybe that's because the parent is unwell. If we took care of the parent, then not only would the parent be well, but they'd feed the child wonderfully and both would be healthy. Or we might be first noticing that it's the parent who's not okay. They're utterly exhausted and it would seem like the treatment is to help replenish and restore their vitality. But what if they're exhausted because their child is ill and needs constant care? In that case, maybe taking care of the child would naturally lead to the parent feeling better. Exploring for this kind of clarity is fundamental to Chinese medicine diagnosis. Every element of a system, in this example, a family, affects every other. We need to look for the most important place to intervene because we can't intervene everywhere. We can't treat everyone and everything. It's the same in our world right now. We all know there are a lot of parts making noise and a lot that need help. So there are two questions. Where is my help most needed? And what help am I most suited to give? I turn to the symbolic language of Chinese medicine to help me look at both those questions because our dreams can show us where the energy is and where it isn't, where it's blocked, where it's flowing. I think that one way to understand our genius, that spirit of genius, is as the place where we have the most energy, the most inspiration and vitality. And it's the place that also feeds us the most, gives us more energy. I also think that we can attune ourselves to hear where in the world would most benefit from that energy that we have to give. So let's go in a little deeper with one way of gauging where the energy is or isn't in our dreams, the five elements. I do usually say the five elements because that term is pretty well recognized, but these five energetic patterns in Chinese called wuxing might be better translated as the five phases. In a moment, I will explain the five phases as parts of the constant cyclical movement of life, the constant inhaling and exhaling, expanding and contracting of the universe. But keep in mind that even with these five elements, you and only you are the authority on what your dream is about. When someone else offers an insight about your dream, it has significance for you only if you feel that the insight resonates. Only if you get that aha moment, those tears come to your eyes, you get goosebumps, you just get this deep sense of, oh, that's what that was about. So my goal here is to get you familiar with what's associated with each element, to develop your fluency in the language of these symbols, and then you're going to feel what resonates for you. Okay, so the five elements or the five phases. Open up your imagination to the five phases as five basic movements of existence, which can manifest in an infinite number of ways. The physical elements of water, wood, fire, earth, and metal are exquisite ways to represent these movements, but the phases show up in many other ways too. So first, water. Water resonates with the winter season. It's a time of condensed, inward energy. Think of the way plants send their energy into their roots when the ground is blanketed with snow. Life is happening, but it's underground and we don't see it. It's a time of rest. 
Next comes wood. From that condensed place of the water phase, wood is beginning to rise up, beginning the inhale. The word wood refers not only to trees, but to all growing green things. The best expression of the healthy wood phase is the little green sprouts that you see first popping up in the spring. They have a strong sense of direction and their growth moves simultaneously up into foliage and down into their roots. They're directed and they're determined, but they're also flexible and resilient. And then we get to fire, which is associated with the summer season. It's the fullness of the inhale. Picture the way that fire naturally rises and spreads. Imagine the flowers of summer and the fullness of the year's warmth. Fire has this sense of up and out. The emotions of joy and anxiety are both associated with fire, and those both have that up and out quality. Seasonally, earth comes next after fire. Earth is associated most closely with late summer, the time of harvest. In our bodies, it's associated with the digestive system, taking in that harvest, digesting it, and distributing the nutrition around. But also, when we picture the ever-moving cycle, the expansion and contraction, we can also think of Earth as the center around which everything else turns. And then we get to metal, which is associated with autumn. The word fall for the season of autumn is even better here because metal has a downward direction. If you imagine the radiance of fall leaves just about to fall, you have a sense of the metal element. The radiance of sound and light is a metal phenomenon. So is the poignancy of savoring something beautiful that we know we're going to lose. And once those leaves fall away, the grief that follows is the emotion of the metal element. Now, if you want to track the appearance of these actual elements in your dreams, that can go a long way. Do you see water? Do you see fire? How often does earth show up? But it gets better than that because all kinds of other things can be grouped into the cloud of symbolic meaning that surrounds each element, the season and the emotion, which I've mentioned already, and also certain directions of movement, certain actions, certain parts of the body, certain values. So as a first exploration, I'd like to invite you to notice which elements are showing up abundantly in your dreams. This might give you a clue to where you have a lot of energy to express. I've noticed that many dreamers are very aware of the water in their dreams, maybe because that's a symbol you often hear talked about as representing the unconscious or representing emotion in general. But when we purposefully look for them, we'll find plants, the wood element, and jewelry or knives, the metal element, and mud or a hiking trail, which would be earth, and so on. You might want to flip back through your dream journal with this in mind too, or just think back in your memory for a moment right now and notice which elements are showing up frequently and if there's any that you rarely, if ever, see. Let me give you some more examples of each element's qualities and what kind of contribution in the world, what kind of role in global healing might go with that element. The metal element shows up as downward movement or falling, and sometimes a notable not falling, which we call flying. It's there in the color white, in metal objects, especially blades. 
Metal is there in any kind of action of discernment, choosing between what stays and what goes, what's a yes and what's a no. It's there in hiddenness versus exposure. So anytime there's a character hiding or lying or exposed, maybe naked or maybe underdressed for the weather, those are all examples of hiddenness versus exposure. In the body, metal is associated with the lungs, with breathing, and with the large intestine and elimination. Money is also connected with the metal element, the assignment of value to things, and the assessment of what does and doesn't have value. We associate metal with the voice, the bell that the lungs can ring, and with the radiance of sound, with music. So if you're seeing a lot of metal energy in your dreams, maybe you're also hearing the call from metal work in the world, work around justice, fairness, and value, economic justice perhaps, around discernment of right and wrong, around cleanup, maybe of the air because of metal's association with lungs, maybe expression through music. Metal is also about protection. So maybe there's vulnerability somewhere in the world and you can take a protective role. So you can let those ideas kind of wash over you and see if something strikes a chord, especially if you, like me, are seeing a lot of metal energy in your dreams. I recently had to laugh because I had never made the connection between all the metal energy in my own dreams and my work, which is acupuncture. All day long, I use actual metal objects to take these precise, small actions that have far-reaching effects, which is a very metal type of activity. And I hadn't noticed that as a possible reason for all the metal energy in my dreams and also a way that I express all the metal energy I have in my nature. It was actually someone else who pointed this out to me, and this is one of the reasons that we all need our dream group, our dream-sharing friends, because... We just don't see what we don't see. Earlier this week, I woke from a dream that had three vehicles in it. A car, a black motorized chair on a circular disc that could hover above the road, and a small, really old-fashioned golden bike. In this dream, I ride the golden bike down some indoor stairs, and I arrive where an adult is explaining to a group of children the meaning of the word divisive. The kids aren't getting it. And so just before my alarm woke me up, my dreaming self has the idea to walk to the front of the group and start pitting the kids against each other. I'm thinking I'll point out the faults of one kid to another, and then I'll encourage that kid to lay the blame on the first one. And then once they've been divided, I can explain to them, this is what's being done to us. So you might recognize the metal imagery in this dream. The hovering chair not quite flying, but definitely defying gravity, defying falling, the golden color of the bike and its metal, the downward direction of riding the bike down the stairs, and the idea of divisiveness, the pointing out faults and laying blame. Metal is associated again with discernment and judgment. So if metal is where I have an abundance of energy, if I take that cue from my dreams, what does this mean for my role in global healing? I think first of discernment, telling what's true and what's right from what's false and what's wrong. But at this moment in the world, I feel like all the metal energy in my dreams 
is fortifying me to hold strong and not allowing a pathological kind of judgment, uh, judgmentalness, a pathological kind of choosing yeses and nos, not allowing that to take over within me. This is about what came up in that dream, literally, the divisiveness, the dividing people into us and them, which is a kind of yes and no. These people are a yes, these people are a no. And the weird twist I see happening around using and theming directed at people who are using and theming, like the impulse to make a them out of the people who make a them out of others. So those who are judgmental of immigrants or people with a different sexual identity or whatever it is that leads someone to want to group a certain type of people into a them. And then another group of people saying, well, all of the people who do that are a them. They're not us. I feel that it's profoundly important for me not to participate in this us versus them dynamic, this worldview. Which is not to say that I can't disagree with anyone or take a stand or be protective. I consider all of those also healthy aspects of metal. But judgmentalness and divisiveness are examples of metal out of balance. So this is my dance with metal right now. And it's not easy. Like Michael Mead says, the genius can hide behind the wound or as the genius grows, so can the wound. And for me personally, having so much metal in my nature and being sensitive, you know, we call metal the sensitive element. If you think about how it takes on the temperature of whatever is the environment, the heat or the cold easily, and how conductive metal is, that's why we call it the sensitive element. But this is the territory where my energy and attention are most right now. After metal in the cycle of the five phases comes water. Water itself shows up in so many forms in dreams, rain, snow, rivers, oceans, lakes, drinking water, showers, puddles, tsunamis, floods. It's also there in dreams of the winter season, the timing of midnight, a direction of down and in, the way water flows, the colors blue and black, plumbing in a house, or the kidneys and bladder in our own bodies. A lot of water energy in dreams might well be a prompting to take care of water in our waking world. Water literally. Water is life, and we have a number of threats to our water staying clean and threats to the ocean. So that might be somewhere you want to take action if water is coming up a lot for you. Water also directs our attention to genetics, so ancestors and descendants. It points toward rest, deep reflection, meditation, and allowing for quietude. There was a time when I was dreaming every night of water, and this is another one that I did not connect right away, but at the time, my local community was in the process of protesting the application of rotenone to one of our local streams, which runs near a lot of our homes and people drink out of when they're backpacking and runs down to our irrigation. And rotenone was going to be applied to poison all the fish in the water to make way for introduction of an endangered species. So without going into the details, that poisoning was unacceptable to us. Interestingly, 
it was something that people who didn't agree about anything else politically were on the same page about because we love our land here and because water is life. So I was very involved in that process, but at the time I kept linking my water dreams to my own physical and emotional health until one dream was of that waterway, that stream itself. And I had the aha that water was calling my attention or my attention was reaching out toward the water. We did succeed in stopping that Rotenone application. And since that was canceled, I haven't dreamt of water with anywhere near the same frequency. I've been dreaming a lot more of animals lately and trees. And speaking of trees, the next element after water is wood. The wood element appears as any kind of plant life or trees in our dreams. There's an obvious possibility in the waking world if you keep seeing plants and trees, which would be taking action for trees and for forests. There are so many strong, purposeful organizations right now focused on planting trees, which is one of the most practically helpful things that can be done at this time for the climate, the air, and even employment. Wood also shows up in the springtime season, if we dream of spring, any kind of moving toward a destination. So in dreams, that's often experienced as having a destination in mind, but experiencing some kind of difficulty or obstacle in getting there. The wood element also appears as the liver and gallbladder in the body, in the eyes and vision, the color green, the emotion of anger, the action of shouting. And the virtue associated with the wood element is compassion. So a lot of wood energy in dreams might be encouragement to look out into the future and cast a vision for what we're moving toward. It also might be encouragement to lead, to share that vision, to put one foot in front of the other, to walk the path and lead the way. Wood energy also includes anger that's appropriate, that, that functional anger that helps fuel the determination to keep going. Another cool thing about tracking dreams over time is that they'll repeat certain symbols. It's like they're leaving tracks for you to follow. One woman I work dreams with has dreamt repeatedly of lenses, contact lenses, glasses, binoculars, cameras. And for her, this is speaking to her about her own ability to look through different lenses, to recognize the lenses other people are looking through, and also how important visual imagery is in her life. This recurring dream image has encouraged her interest in photography, which for her is really connected to her sense of purpose in showing people places and things that they would never see with their own eyes. So a lot of energy for her there in the wood phase and vision. After wood comes fire, which again is associated with summer. If you think of summer, of flowers blooming, of a campfire, of the hearth fire in a home, this is the element of interpersonal connection. We might see fire in our dreams, of course, in the form of fire itself, whether a candle or a wildfire or the sun. It's there when we see the color red. It's associated with the heart, the tongue, the blood vessels, 
the emotion of joy and laughter, and also, as I mentioned, with anxiety and panic. Also, sometimes there's a lack of joy, a lack of laughter that's really notable. When I think about bringing a lot of fire energy to healing work in the world, I think first about relationships and community. The fire element governs our connection and open-heartedness in a one-on-one intimate way and also in groups, in community. It's associated with communication and spirituality, the glow of spirit, the guiding light. Fire is also associated with the tongue and with speech itself. I think about creativity too. Fire is the element and the season of expression, of flowering, and so are our creations. I see a lot of fire energy in dreams as encouragement to speak out, to express, to connect, to create. So whether you're seeing fire itself or seeing a lot of red or having a lot of laughter in your dreams, this is like an invitation to walk down the fire path and see if any of the other things that are associated with fire strike a chord for you. So expression, connection, creativity, and because fire is associated with spirituality, that also might be somewhere that someone with a lot of fire energy would want to focus. And focusing on a spiritual practice or a spiritual community might seem very different than loud, public, creative self-expression, but both are a way of working with the fire energy within ourselves. There's also the literal issue of fire on our planet and heat. So if I were dreaming a lot of fire and this struck a chord, I might be looking to what I could do for fire prevention or forest restoration or something along those lines. And finally, the earth element. I mentioned earlier that the earth is associated with the center. It is also associated with the home, with the archetypal mother, with nourishment, the sweet flavor in food or drink, and with integrity. It shows up in dreams as earth itself, soil, dirt, landscape. It's in the color yellow, the activity of mental processing or worry, and the activity of eating or growing food. In our bodies, it shows up as the stomach and what we call the spleen in Chinese medicine, which includes what in Western biology we would call the pancreas and some functions of the intestines. It's also associated physically with the mouth and the flesh, both the muscles and the fat on our bodies. And as the center, which holds still while everything else moves, Earth can be associated both with stillness and centeredness, as well as with stuckness. Stories of being stuck or images of stillness can show up in dreams as a form of earth energy. One of the first things I think about when there are frequent earth qualities or just a loud and clear pay attention here message around earth in dreams is food. I once had an epic dream that concluded on the image of a half-burnt butternut squash sitting on top of the pump at a gas station. There's a lot there in just that one image, but one thing I got loud and clear was pay attention to earth. This was food, it was the color yellow, it was the sweet flavor, and it was damaged, and it was placed in this 
distinctive spot, as though to catch my attention. So thinking about climate crisis, you might be well aware that focusing in on food, how it's grown, how it's processed, how it's distributed, could go a long way toward solving this crisis. Likewise, our food system has an enormous impact on individual health. If I were dreaming a lot about the earth element, I would absolutely consider how I might play a role in food issues. I might take action around hunger or food waste or farming methods. Even the particular food issue I want to act on might show up in my dreams. If I'm listening for it, the characters who show up or the stories that are told or the places my dreams are set in really might be inviting my attention exactly where it needs to go. I also think about how earth is an element of unconditional nourishment, that archetypal mother energy, nourishing from her own body, from the home, from the center. I think about the people for whom nourishment is conditional, or even worse, not guaranteed even when all the conditions are met. And I consider this not feeding of people, people not being able to feed themselves, a dramatic earth imbalance in our systems right now. Okay, although I could go on, and I really look forward to diving in deeper with you on all of this, I will conclude that sketch here. It's meant to give you a general sense of how the five elements show up in our dreams, and what aspect of global healing might be a fit for the energy that you're seeing most abundantly or the energy that you're really wanting to move with. I created a little write-up for you that maps some of these associations out. It goes with my mini book about the five elements in dreams. And if you go to thedreamersden.org open, you can access both. If you've already signed up to keep in touch with me by email and gotten that PDF mini book, go ahead and enter your email there again. Your subscription won't change, but I'll send you an updated link to the global healing diagram that goes with it. Of course, the five elements are not the only way our dreams guide us toward our own genius and our own role in global healing. If you're with me on this idea that we have a deep inner nature that is always moving toward being expressed, that's always calling to us and urging us forward no matter where we're at in our lives and no matter whether we've listened to it so far or not, and if you resonate with this idea that we all can have a role to play and each little piece might seem little, but it's huge, I think our dreams, because of the way they're always moving us toward growing and being our best selves, if we turn to them with this question, and even if we turn to them really directly with this question, asking to incubate a dream, you know, I want to dream about my role in global healing, and if you want to go back one episode to episode 14 with Dr. Deirdre Barrett, she gave great, simple instructions for how to incubate a dream. So if you turn to your dreams with this question, they can offer you so much. And I find the five elements an incredibly helpful core way that dreams can communicate. So there are other ways like I'm thinking of personal health, you know, a woman who dreamt of breasts and medical scenarios repeatedly before being diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, that's really specific. And if there's something going on in the world 
that you're dreaming of in that specific way, you might have just what you need to know right there. My hope is that each of us will do our part, like the hummingbird. And will that save the world? I do not know. I don't honestly know what save the world really means. But will it help? I believe so. I, I had the chance to sit with Michael Mead on the couch of my friends Aaron and Carl Rabke of Embodiment Matters late one night after he spoke in Salt Lake City a couple years ago. And I asked him if he thought the genius was inherently driving people toward doing good for themselves and for others. What I was really wondering was, could helping someone realize and express their genius help them be more harmful? It's something I've thought about once in a while as a practitioner of the healing arts. If you watched The Sopranos, do you remember the moment when Tony Soprano's therapist realized she may just have been helping him be a more functional thief and murderer all these years? It was a long and rich conversation with Michael Mead that night, but the short answer is no. The genius doesn't necessarily move us toward kindness or benevolence in the world. We can probably all think of people who have used their genius to the detriment of their societies. The genius of charisma is one that has definitely been used by leaders who ultimately did incredible harm. So helping make sure things move toward healing is a little bit of a different question than helping people realize and express their genius. And even the idea of wanting people's genius to lead to a certain outcome might be a little bit off. I know that you and I might not think the problems are the same, and we might even completely disagree about the solutions. You probably have the impression by now that I really like deep dialogue. I like to find common ground. I believe that we have more in common than we have that makes us different. But I also know that there are times where I perceive someone's actions or what they are promoting in the world to be harmful. And in that case, we might have direct confrontation, me expressing my genius and them expressing theirs. But I do believe at the most basic level that more connected, fulfilled human beings are simply more likely to take care of one another than to do harm. I believe that the more you are in tune with your own genius and available to witness experiences very different from your habitual waking experience, as dreams invite us to do every night, the more you will be able to share your gifts with the world. And that if that genius is expressed, we stand a hell of a lot better chance of making it through this than without that. And on that note, I thank you for listening to all this expression from me, and I hope it has been helpful to you. Come to thedreamersden.org slash open if you want the diagram of the five elements and all the associations I mentioned. And come to thedreamersden.org slash free class if you want to sign up for next Friday's free class on questions you can ask to reveal the health messages in your dreams. That's Friday, October 23rd. You can also access a recording if that time doesn't work for you to be there live. I would just love to connect with you. Until next time, wishing you deep dreams.